As I explained this morning, I'm really glad that we're doing this through the Bible, or through the New Testament over the six months, giving attention to reading. And I hope that you've been working through that as well. And one of the reasons I'm glad that we're doing it is because I've noticed that whenever I'm doing really well at a regularly regularly scheduled Bible reading, I begin to realize how often I get things out of context. For instance, in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, now I've read this story numerous times. I've preached from it several times. And of course, whenever I've preached from it, it's always been in the context of our congregational contribution. Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 41, the Bible says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, there certainly are some great lessons from this about contribution. There's some great lessons from this about giving. But as we've gone through our reading here, I don't know how many times I've read the book of Mark and even read it all together, but I guess it never occurred to me or I just never noticed or made the connection between verses 38 through 40 and this passage. And notice here it says, In his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. I don't know about you, and perhaps you've seen this as you've studied before, but I just never really picked up on the fact that here he had just talked about the scribes who devour widows' houses, and then the very next story he gives us is of a widow and her example. And I can't help but see that Jesus is, in fact, making a contrast. Mark, as he put this gospel together, is making a contrast for us between these scribes who will devour widows' houses and this widow who is putting money into the treasury to build the Lord's house. And I'd like for us to just take a few moments and notice some contrast between these scribes and this widow within this text here. There are three of them that I hope that we can notice and and help us. And as we look at them, I hope that you and I can take a look and decide which one of these people we want to strive to be, the scribes or the widows, and what we need to do to be more like the right one. Before we look at that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up and praise your name because you are, in fact, awesome. You are the great creator, and you are the great benefactor. Everything that we have, we know, comes from you. And Father, we pray that we will use it in a way that glorifies and honors you and lifts you up. Help us to be centered upon you and not upon ourselves. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us to look to your will and your word for how we should live. And help us to be sacrificing and selfless. And Father, we pray that we will be focused on our heart so that the rest of us can be clean as well. Help us to be like this widow and her great sacrifice and the right heart that she had before you. Help us to grow and to serve you more and more each day. Father, thank you so much for loving us. We love you. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. The very first thing I think we need to recognize as we see the contrast here is that the scribes were me-centered, whereas the widow was God-centered. 
take a look at these, these scribes who wore long robes. When they wore long robes, what were they saying? They were saying, look at me. They liked greetings in the marketplace. What were they saying? Talk to me. They liked the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feast. What were they saying? Honor me. And then it says that they liked for pretense to make long prayers. What were they saying? Listen to me. Do you see the common theme in all of that? Me, 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 and me. It's no wonder that they would devour widows' houses. They didn't care about anybody else. They were thinking about me. The widow, on the other hand, is not thinking about me. She was thinking about God. And I just can't help but notice this great sacrifice she made. In verse 44, it says that they all, all the rich people contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, what kind of heart do you think that takes? What was she thinking about? Who was she centered on? It said she gave everything she had to live on. She gave that night's dinner money away. She gave her rent away, if you will. She put the very last bit she had into that temple treasury. Who was she thinking about? Certainly not herself. She was thinking about God. That's who she was centered on. That's who she was focused on. And that's what we need to do. It is so easy in our world to get caught up with me. To get caught up with making sure I get food put on my table and clothes on my back and a roof over my head. And so easy to get distracted away from the center that we need to have on God. But even here within the same context, if we back up in Mark chapter 12 and look at verse 30, Jesus had already said, And you shall love the Lord your God. This is Mark 12 and verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the love we're supposed to have for God. This is the relationship we're supposed to have with God. We're not supposed to be just loving ourselves. We're supposed to be loving God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 describes our life, or should. It says in Matthew 6 and verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The scribes, no doubt, as they were devouring widows' houses, they were trying to add all these things to themselves, and hopefully God would follow along later. But what Jesus says is, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things. God will take care of that. God will take care of us. If we're God-centered, if we're focusing on His will, no matter what we face, God will provide. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. When it's all said and done, we may still be the poor widow who has just now given away our last penny and still be poor widow after that. But God will still provide. God will still take care of us. But we need to be like that widow. Not me-centered, but God-centered in our lives. And understand what that means. A lot of times we think in terms of priority, prioritizing. And it's almost like we have the idea that what that means is when I wake up in the morning, I've got to do my God things first, and then I can do everything else. I make sure to read my Bible first, and then I can read the newspaper. I pray first, then I can watch the news. That's not what that's saying. What that's saying is, is that everything we do must be centered around wanting to glorify and honor God. God-centered. 
not me-centered. That was the widow. Secondly, the scribes were selfish. The widow was selfless. Really, this isn't surprising. And we've already said they're me-centered. This is a corollary. These things go along with one another. Because they were so me-centered, because they were thinking about me all the time, they were selfish. But the thing that you need to recognize here, and I know that until I studied some of these things in, in the old law, I didn't realize how bad this was. I mean, I know that we in our society today think it's awful. Think it's awful to take advantage of little old ladies. But for the Jews... This was the epitome of rottenness. This was evil incarnate. I mean, this was just the height of wickedness for the Jews. In Exodus chapter 22 and verse 22, the law stated, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, Deuteronomy chapter 27, Deuteronomy chapter 27, trying to find the right verse here, and verse 19. Deuteronomy 27 and verse 19, it says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. Cursed be the person who perverts the justice due to the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. That's what the Jews were taught. In Isaiah chapter 10, Isaiah chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, Isaiah is now explaining to the Israelites why judgment is going to come upon them as a nation. I want you to notice what he includes there. In Isaiah chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression, to turn aside the needy from justice, and to rob the poor of my people of their rights, that widows may be their spoil, and that they may make the fatherless their prey. Notice what he says in verse 3. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help, and where will you leave your wealth? The Israelites were told part of the reason you're going to be judged is because you have been despoiling these widows. When, he said, when Jesus said that they were devouring widows' houses, He was bringing back to mind to the Israelites, these guys are doing the very things that caused the Babylonian captivity to begin with. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 6. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 6, once again, Jeremiah is talking about the judgment that's going to come upon them. He's, he's going to tell them, here, if you start doing these things, God won't judge you. Notice in verse 6 what's included in this. If you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow. Now notice, I want you to notice what this is linked with. Or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm. You see, Jeremiah is saying that despoiling the widow, oppressing the widow, is right on par with shedding innocent blood. Oppressing the widow, he said, is right on par with going after other gods. That is how wicked and vile this selfishness. When Jesus is talking about their selfishness, he's giving the example of the absolute epitome of utter evil among these men. And just one more set of passages. Look in Job. I just think that it's so interesting in Job chapter 22. Now, you know the story of Job. You know that Job had not sinned, and that's uh, that's not why he was being judged, but Eliphaz and the other friends were trying to figure out all the sins that Job had done. And, and so we know that Eliphaz is making this up. This isn't true. 
But when Eliphaz is trying to say, here, Job, I know what you've done. I know how wicked you've been. And this is why God is judging you so bad. In Job chapter 22 and verse 9, one of the things he brought up is, well, Job, you must have sent windows away empty. And the arms of the fatherless were crushed. Therefore, snares are all around you. And sudden terror is overwhelmed. He said, this must be one of the things you did. This such a bad thing is happening from God on you. You must have done this wicked, evil thing. Job recognized that if he had done that, he would be worthy of judgment. In Job 31, as he talks about himself, he's turning to God and saying, look, if I have done any of these things, bring judgment upon me. If, I, if I've sinned, then, then bring judgment upon me. But God, you know that I've been righteous before you. Notice what he said in Job 31 and verse 16. If I have withheld anything that the poor desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, and he goes on and lists several other things. Notice in verse 22. If I have done this, if I have caused the eyes of the widows to fail, verse 22, then let my shoulder blade fall from my shoulder and let my arm be broken out of its socket. Job says, if, if I've mistreated the widows, if I have been selfish and oppressed widows for my own personal gain, he says, then just let my arm fall right off of my body. I mean, Job realized that would be bad. This is not just being mean to some little old ladies. This was vile, an abomination in God's eyes. When Jesus was showing how selfish these scribes were, he was pulling out what was under the law the epitome of wicked selfishness. This is where the scribes are. This is how selfish and self-centered they are. And so it's no wonder that they were greedy and taking from others and oppressing and despoiling others, even to the point of the widows. Listen, you think they did this to the widows. Who else were they doing it to? They would go this far because of their selfishness and their greed. But what about the widow? The widow wasn't selfish. The widow was selfless. She was sacrificing. Again, she gave her last bit of money that she had to live on in order to accomplish the Lord's work. Such selfless sacrifice. What most impresses me about that is look in Deuteronomy chapter 14. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28 and 29. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29, it says, At the end of every three years you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner and fatherless, and the widow who are within your town shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Now, we've known for a long time that the tithe was used to support the Levites. Were you aware that it also supported the fatherless and the widows? Understand what this means for this widow. Here was a person that if anyone could demand being cared for by somebody else, it was this widow. And yet instead, she is giving the last that she has to live on to the temple treasury. Now, I don't think that the temple treasury was necessarily the same thing as the tithe that's being talked about there. I just think it's interesting that, that here is a woman who had the right to demand that others care for her because the law said they were supposed to. And yet she's giving of herself to accomplish the work of the Lord. I just think about this. Think about this amazing contrast between the scribe and the widow. Here are the scribes that are willing to devour the widow's house in order to line their own pockets, while this widow is willing to empty her own pockets to build the Lord's house. What a contrast. 
selfishness versus self-sacrifice. Well, which one of those are we supposed to be? I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? We are supposed to be the selfless, the sacrificing, the generous. Instead of trying to draw all things to ourselves, we're supposed to be distributing the blessings that God has given us to others. Philippians chapter 2 talks about this. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul wrote in Philippians 2 and verse 3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's our job in relation to others. Not to draw to ourselves through our selfishness, but to distribute to others because we're selfless. To point out that others' problems are more pressing, that others' needs are more necessary that we're going to pursue their wants and desires and needs above our own. That's true self-sacrifice. And that relates to all of our resources, whether we're talking about time or opportunity or money, but especially within this context of this widow, we recognize the money aspect of it. And I think about what Paul said in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 17, as he said to the rich in this present age, and, and brethren, let us not, well, let us not deceive ourselves. If we were living in this time with the same amount that we have now, he'd be talking to us. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the type of selflessness and generosity that we're supposed to be having. In Hebrews chapter 13, in Hebrews chapter 13, the Hebrew writer says in verse 16, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Sharing what we have. Notice he calls that a sacrifice that pleases God. We're supposed to offer that sacrifice to others. Being selfless, not selfish. That's our job as Christians. And the third contrast I want you to notice is that the scribes were outwardly focused and the widow was inwardly focused. You see, the scribes, they wanted the long robes because that made them look good. They wanted to be able to offer the long prayers because that made them sound good. They liked the greetings in the marketplace and the chief seats at the feast because that said everybody else thinks I look good and sound good. And I want to be honored. And what I'm worried about is my reputation and how I look before people. That's what the scribes and Pharisees were like. They were focused on the outward things so that everybody else would comment on how wonderful they were. We know what Jesus thought about them in Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus highlighted this outward focus. In verse 25 of Matthew 23, He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. These were the scribes and the Pharisees. They looked good on the outside. They dressed nice. They sounded nice. But inside they were full of dead men's bones. And so, of course, it's not surprising when some of that wickedness leaked out and they devoured widows' houses under cover of darkness, no doubt, because they wouldn't want to mar their reputation. And yet the widow... What kind of heart did she have? And the fact is, we can't look at a widow who will come in and drop in the last two coins that she has that amount to a penny. She wasn't doing this for show. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if she wasn't a little bit embarrassed about what she was giving and might even try to hide it and cover it up because she had seen all these rich people go by and drop in their hundreds or their thousands or or however many coins they had, and all she had was these two little bitty coins that amounted to a cent. Wouldn't surprise me if she didn't try to cover it up a little bit. She wasn't doing it for show. She was doing it because her heart was right. She had worked on her heart. And so she gave the proper sacrifice. And that's where we need to be. We need to be working on our hearts. How easy it is to look good before everybody and yet allow things to be festering on the inside. We've got to let that out so that we can cleanse the heart to allow us to cleanse the outward acts. In Matthew chapter 15, In Matthew chapter 15, beginning at about verse 7, in Matthew 15 and verse 7, Jesus said to the Jews, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. God doesn't want lip service. He wants heart devotion. If our heart's in the right place, our mouth will follow. Proverbs 4.23, the proverbialist had said, Guard the heart, for from it flow the springs of life. And Jesus here in Matthew 15 goes on in verse 10. He called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a person. And the disciples came and said, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended? And he goes on and explains some of this. And then in verse 17, he explains the parable saying, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles the person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but being with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. He's saying, get the heart right. Focus on the inside and the outside will follow. That's that's the kind of people we need to be. People who are not focused on just getting everything right on the outside, but people who are focused on getting the heart right and letting the rest take care of itself as it will when we are sacrificing ourselves to God's will. God is not nearly so concerned about our reputation as He is our righteousness. And we need 
to pursue righteousness from the heart. Here are these scribes. They would wear long robes. They look good. They would pray long prayers. They talk good. They would like greetings in the marketplace. They like to rub elbows with all the right people. And they like the cheap seats and the banquets and the feasts. They like to be honored. But on the inside, they were right. But here was this widow, poor. As far as the world is concerned, couldn't do a whole lot. And yet Jesus said, this is the one that's justified. She's done more than anybody else here today, is what Jesus said. Because she sacrificed from the heart. God-centered, inwardly focused, self-sacrifice. That's who we need to be. Let's work on that together.